Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we will learn about our civic responsibility that we hold as Christians to the world and the society we live in. Yeshua told us in John 18, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. What a powerful statement. If Yeshua's kingdom is not of this world, then ours isn't either. Yeshua also instructed his disciples not to battle against the kingdoms of the earth, saying in Matthew 26, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. He knew that fighting against the Roman Empire would have proven futile. And that was not his purpose for coming, nor was it ours for staying. In Yeshua's final prayers, John 17, he said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Again, Yeshua confirmed that we are not of this world, but he also said he would not take us out of it. Instead, he prayed for our protection. So we are in the world, but we are not of the world. First and most importantly, to share the gospel, but maybe also to impart a greater civic responsibility. Yeshua said in Matthew 5, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So how do we balance our patriotism for our nation with the kingdom of God? Some claim that the United States was founded as a Christian nation. Others have declared that God has an unbreakable covenant with America. Do these views suggest we should labor to conform this country into God's kingdom before Christ returns? I don't think so. This belief is called Christian nationalism. And those who expand this theology to the whole earth are called dominionists. Both are antithetical to scripture. Yes, the kingdom of God is a present condition in the believer. But the kingdom itself will not be established in the earth until Christ returns. In the book of Revelation, chapter 11, we read, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So the kingdom is both a present and a future place. Given that Christ's kingdom is not yet established, does this suggest that God will not transform and heal our communities and even our nation if we turn back to him? Is transforming and healing our communities associated with our good works that Yeshua spoke about? Quite possibly. And I believe this is an essential part of our civic responsibility as Christians. We read the history of great revivals that have swept this nation and how entire communities were delivered from crime, prostitution, alcoholism, and so much more. However, we are not building heaven on earth as some proclaim. We are leading people into the kingdom of God by the words we speak from Scripture 
and our actions that demonstrate the love of God. And we have a moral responsibility to God to submit to governmental authority and uphold His righteous laws and standards for every nation. This, again, is our civic responsibility. We live in a good nation. It's certainly not perfect, and much of its history is tainted, such as our mistreatment of the Native Indians and African Americans, and the shedding of innocent blood through abortion. These sins have stained our soil, and their innocent blood cries out to the Lord for His vindication. And yet, as Americans, we carry a euphoric optimism, one that strives to fix and improve that which is broken. We desire to see justice and live peaceably with all men. We follow the Golden Rule, which is the Judeo-Christian foundation of how this nation was established. Do not mistreat others, as all men are created equal, endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. Our Founding Fathers, men like Benjamin Franklin, knew that self-governance came with tremendous civic responsibility. And this freedom could only be secured if men and women lived according to God's biblical standards. Franklin routinely published sermons from Reverend George Whitfield in his newspaper, the Pennsylvania Gazette. These articles became a source of inspiration for those living in the American colonies. And while not all colonists were Christian, most understood the necessity of civility bound by the laws of a higher divine order. From the study of our nation's history, America has never purely been a Christian nation. And yet, the principles of Scripture, in large part, became the moral and civic foundation for this great country. This era, greatly influenced by the awakening movements of the 1700s, was highly religious with Protestant Christianity becoming the predominant faith. Even those who were less religious still held a deep respect for Christianity as a moral and stabilizing influence both in our government and society. But much has changed over the past several hundred years. We now live in a pluralist society that holds vastly differing views of God and the Bible. And we are quickly becoming an autonomous culture where an individual's independent rule according to either their secular humanist or religious beliefs compete against other people's views. The ancient Greeks believed that self-mastery was the ability of each person to become their own master. Plato stated that individuals or groups could not achieve true freedom unless they governed their pleasures and desires. In biblical terms, this nation is also becoming more like ancient Israel. Where we read in Judges chapter 17, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. No king implies no God. Indeed, Jesus is not the king of this nation to a growing majority of Americans. The government is becoming their God, and secular humanism is becoming the prevailing ideology. In an ever-increasing autonomous culture, even civil law boundaries will begin to break down over time. As we read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Notice the difference between self-governance, 
where society cooperates to democratically elect a government representing the people, versus autonomous rule, where an individual's rights override society's collective needs. Much of this friction has culminated in a two-party political system used by certain special interest groups to advance their policies. All this is contributing to the rapid deterioration and division within our nation. Another behavioral byproduct of autonomous rule is personal offense. In other words, I am offended if you either believe differently than me or you do not accept that my views are correct. It is the ultimate battle for truth, and my truth can only be validated if it is forced on others. As Christians, we know that Yeshua is the truth. But we are never commanded to forcibly impose the gospel, only to share the good news. Pluralism has now broken down, and the response is increasingly becoming hatred and anarchy. Yeshua said in Matthew 24, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. So therefore, we need to guard our hearts against all of this, knowing what Yeshua has already warned will happen in the earth before he returns. Yeshua also said in Matthew chapter 10, Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Sodom and Gomorrah are often used to represent the epitome of evil. But what behavior would have generated such a strong response from the Lord towards the Jewish people? Yeshua reveals their great sin in the preceding verse where he said, Whoever will not receive you. Rejecting Christ might be indifferent, but it certainly does not sound that evil. So why the harsh judgment? The sages correlate Sodom with idolatry, murder, sexual impropriety, thievery, and corrupt business practices. But they use the term Midat Sodom, translated as Sodomite attitude, to describe extreme isolationism. For example, one who says, what's mine is mine, and what's yours is yours. As Rabbi Obadiah Bartonur said, I do not want to give you anything, and I would appreciate it if you do not give me anything. This is the rabbinic definition of selfishness. But to the conventional mind, this does not sound so evil. These people only desire total independence and isolation. They were saying, let me be and I will let you be. This also sounds like the American way. Be self-sufficient and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. The definition is the ability to maintain oneself without outside aid, capable of providing for one's own needs and having extreme confidence in one's ability or worth. But this is not how God created the world to function. He made us so that each person is to receive his or her needs from others, whether it's emotional or physical. And interestingly, it is physically impossible for one to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. This dependent, created purpose is the meaning of the verse, and he established his aguda upon the earth. An aguda is a collaboration of individuals, a collective, in which everyone works together and no person is complete without the other. 
We read in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone, and I will make him a helper comparable to him. So what truly happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? These two cities and three others formed a large settlement at the terminus of the Jordan River. The river watered the land and sprouted lush vegetation. The soil was rich in nutrients and precious minerals, a garden of Eden of sorts. We read in Genesis chapter 3, it says, And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plains of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. The real underlying evil that Sodom and Gomorrah committed against the Lord was their selfish individualism and lack of hospitality, even hostility towards visitors and strangers. Their behavior became progressively worse until there was no friendship or camaraderie even amongst each other. And their treatment of merchants and transients, the homeless, the oppressed, and the needy became heartless and viciously cruel. God cares for those who are despised by this world, and his warnings to Israel demonstrate this. In Exodus 22, we read, You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way and they cry out at all to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will become hot, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. The prophet Ezekiel affirmed the word of the Lord when he said in chapter 16, Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Ezekiel compared the sins of Sodom to those of Israel. He said that in their opulence and prosperity, they became individually selfish and self-centered, neglecting their poor and needy. They became autonomous, each man doing what was right in his own eyes, seeking to be free from the obligation of caring for or depending on others. Instead, they lusted after their selfish pleasures and desires. We read in 1 John chapter 2, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. In Ephesians chapter 2, we read, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Does any of this sound like what is presently happening in the United States? We have a pandemic and people are forced into isolation. Then they begin hoarding food and supplies. We turn against immigrants fleeing persecution and poverty. We demonize and hate others because they think differently. And as a nation, we have lost any sense of civic responsibility failing to understand that we are part of an organized society, something much bigger than ourselves, a more extensive collective element. Civic responsibility rests in the notion that there is a need to give something back to society and act selflessly for the benefit of the whole. 
And as Christians, Scripture gives us explicit instruction. In Philippians chapter 2, we read, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Sodom and Gomorrah are the biblical opposite of how we are not to behave. We are citizens of God's kingdom, but we are also citizens of this nation. So can we balance our patriotism for a country with his kingdom? I believe we can, and here is how. We are to pray for all in authority, preach the good news of God's kingdom, esteem others more highly than ourselves, and care for the needy, even fighting against injustice as necessary. Again, we read in Matthew chapter 5, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There is a tremendous spiritual battle for the souls of the men and women of this nation and for the nation itself. As we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And in Ephesians chapter 6, we read, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This battle is over truth, that of the Bible or that of the world. As we read in Galatians chapter 5, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. People's actions and behaviors will be directed by what they believe. And we can only overcome this battle by praying, loving all people, and declaring the truth of the gospel to those who are lost and perishing. Declaring, yes, but never forcing our beliefs, lest we act like the disciples who drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Yeshua said in Matthew 11, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And Paul encouraged us in Romans 12, saying, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. We are in the world, but not of the world. So therefore, we read in Romans chapter 12, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Yes, we can live as American citizens, voting and praying for righteous leaders to be set over our nation, to fight against all unrighteousness and injustice perpetrated against the unborn, widows and orphans, the immigrant amongst us, the poor and the oppressed. This is our civic responsibility. Our allegiance is to Yeshua alone, for earthly kings are merely vessels in God's hand to bless our nation or bring his righteous judgment. Yeshua told his disciples in Matthew 22, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And let us always be reminded, as we read in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. 
For Yeshua declared in Revelation 22, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. Amen. If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.